Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. Today is Westminster Wednesday, and so we come back to the Westminster Confession of Faith. Last week we started Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 4, looking at Paragraph 1. Today we'll look at Paragraph 2. The chapters 4 and 5, Creation and Providence, follow the chapter on God's eternal decree, because as we're, as we're reminded in the Catechism, it is through his work of creation and providence that God executes his eternal decrees. So when we want to know how does he do those things that we talked about in the decrees, as much as we can know, we can say that he executes his decrees through creation and through providence. And so we've been looking at the work of creation. There's only two paragraphs on this chapter, which may surprise some. What we looked at last week about creation being by verbal fiat, out of nothing, ex nihilo, to use the fun Latin language. And then the paragraph that we're going to look at today, which focuses in on man. So let me pray for us, and then I'll read this paragraph and make a few comments. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for faithful men who have gone before us and written faithful summaries of your word, such as the confession of faith. We pray that you would give us wisdom as we study this deep theology and think about the reality of how we were made and who we are before you as your image bearers. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 4.2 says this, after God had made all other creatures, he created man, male and female, with reasonable and immortal souls, endued with knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness after his own image, having the law of God written in their hearts and power to fulfill it, and yet, under a possibility of transgressing, being left to the liberty of their own will, which was subject unto change. Besides this law written in their hearts, they received a command, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which while they kept, they, they were happy in their communion with God and had dominion over the creatures. Well, as you can see, when we look at this section of the Confession of Faith, uh, though we're in the paragraph on, or the chapter on creation, a great deal of anthropology is being done here in this section. Man is presented here as what theologians have called the, the crowning achievement or the crowning glory of of God's creation. But one thing to notice right off the bat is that the, the crowning achievement, uh, the high point of creation, is not just man, but male and female. To quote Van Dixhorn, which I'm going to do a lot in this episode because he has some very good thoughts on some deep issues in this section, he says the high point is not a human being, but a pair of them. It's not men by themselves or even women by themselves that are the high point of creation, but male and female. And this humanity that he created, this man that he created, male and female, he created, and, and the, the confession here gives us a list of attributes with reasonable and immortal souls. This is what separates us from common beasts. This is what separates us from you know all the animals and, and our pets that we love so much, and we see their emotions and we, we, we think that we see them smiling at us and all of these different things, yet they don't have souls as mankind does. We have reasonable and immortal souls. That's one key distinction between man and the rest of creation. So while we are 
uh, distinguished from the creation, we've already seen that we are also part, we are just creatures. We're creatures, but we're creatures distinguished from all other creatures with reasonable and immortal souls. And then he gives, in, endued with knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness. We talk about the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God, those attributes of God that find analogy in humanity. And here we see three of them, knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. In the Shorter Catechism, it asks, what is God? And the answer given is God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. Those would be incommunicable attributes of God. There, We don't find analogy in those. So infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Those are, are a list of communicable attributes, those attributes of God that we find reflected in us. And here, the confession also mentions knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness. Now, we've got to remember that here we are speaking of man before the fall. Much changed after the fall, as you are well aware, if you've ever read a newspaper or seen a newscast or been on Facebook, much changed with the fall of man. But we were originally endued with knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness, true set-apartedness. Also, it adds that we were created, man, male and female, after his own image. We are image bearers of God. In this doctrine, we often find rightly the, the reality and the conviction that every human being, regardless of ethnicity, regardless even of creed, regardless of status, regardless of anything, every human being has this dignity of being an image bearer of God. Now, the question is, though, and this is much, much debated in theological circles, what does it mean that we were created after the image of God? Again, Van Dixorn is very helpful here. He says uh, that there's three places in Scripture that kind of approach this from three different ways. He writes, Genesis 1 mentions that humanity was made in God's likeness, immediately after which we are told that men and women are to exercise dominion over the creatures of this world. So many people see that one aspect of being an image bearer is exercising dominion, being these vice regents, reigning over creation, you know, in God's place in a physical sense. He goes on, Colossians 3 mentions that Christians are being remade in the image of God, and special mention is made that we are being renewed in knowledge. We see Christ's work is to renew in us the image of God, and Calvin makes the point that if we're going to understand what the image of God is, then we need to understand the work of redemption, because what we're being told is that Christ is remaking us. He's remaking this image of God. And so something about what is happening to us in redemption has to do with the image of God. And in Colossians, special mention, as Dr. Van Dixorn says, is given to knowledge. The third passage he mentions, Ephesians 4, tells us that the new man in Christ is created after the likeness of God. And that means, at the very least, a creation in true righteousness and holiness. So he goes on and he mentions that James 3 highlights that it, it, there are ethical implications to the image of God, that because men are created in his image, James tells us, we ought not speak as we do of those created in his image. But we see these different aspects of the image of God. The reality is it's probably not one or the other. We probably shouldn't understand the image of God to mean just 
the reigning capacity, the dominion capacity that we have. We probably shouldn't understand it to just mean the ethical compa uh, component that uh, that we have. We should probably shouldn't understand it to just be uh, an issue of knowledge or you know the, the having a soul that sets up sets us apart from the rest of creation. The reality is the image of God because it is something that all of us is are, are made in that, that our entirety is made in. It, it entails all of these things. There is a dominion aspect. There is an ethical aspect. There is a knowledge aspect, a rational, a reasonable aspect. The confession goes on, having the law of God written in their hearts and the power to fulfill it. Again, we're speaking here of man before the creation, and this is how we were. The law of God was written in our heart. We knew right and wrong, and we were able to obey. That was a possibility the power to fulfill it. Can you imagine? And yet, under a possibility of transgression, here, if we go back to uh, Augustine's great Latin categories or, or categories of man, he, he says that before the fall, man was able to sin, able not to sin. In other words, both were real options for us. We could sin or we could actually not sin. We could do what was right. We weren't yet totally depraved as we are now. But we did have this possibility of transgression. We were left, it says, being left to the liberty of their own will, which was subject to change. So here we find that, that man in, in the time before the fall was unlike how we would understand him to be now. We'll get into the result of what happened when we chose to exercise our ability to sin, our possibility of transgressing. That'll come when we get to the chapter on man. But for now, we're looking at creation and how man was created before the fall. Besides this law written in their hearts, the confession goes on to say they received a command. So we had this law written on our hearts. We, we were there creating the image of God, able to sin, able not to sin, and God gave us a command. And of course, this is what we talk about as the covenant of works. The command was, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know the rest. It's not mentioned here. It just gives that stand-in. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, the, this, this covenant that God made with Adam here, the Adamic covenant or the covenant of works, the covenant of creation, and it has all kinds of different names depending on which theologian you're reading, it was a works-based covenant. There was a, a works principle uh, at play here. If you don't eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, you're going to live. And that's what the confession goes on to say, which while they kept this command, they were happy in their communion with God and had dominion over the creatures. Okay, so, however, as the command goes on, in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. So this was the state of man. He was in this covenant relationship with God, happy in this covenant relationship with God, because sin wasn't a reality, though it was a possibility. He was an image bearer of God. The image wasn't yet tarnished. He had true knowledge and righteousness and holiness. This is how man existed before the fall. And this is the state to which we are being returned through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, we'll get into the changes that came with our sin, but here the confession just wants us to understand God's work of creation, how it was that he made things. And when we see this statement about how God made man, we see that we have come a long way, but we have come a long way in a poor direction. And so we are reminded by this statement of what we once were, 
of why we need a Savior, why we need Christ. So let's again learn to look to him together and rest in him, even as he restores this image in us and brings us back into perfect communion and dominion with God and over his creation. Amen. Thank you.